0: Hello and welcome to Have You Seen It? I'm Emily. And I'm Ned. And each week we'll take you on a three-part cinematic adventure. We will be reviewing something currently in cinemas.
1: A past or present world card.
0: And something hot on a streaming service. So let us be your cinematic spirit guides,
1: So you can stop scrolling.
0: And start watching.
1: So, Emily. What did you see in the cinema this
0: week? This week, it was Oppenheimer week, Ned. So I went to the cinema to go and see Christopher Nolan's latest film.
1: Oppenheimer is, of course, part of the famous double whammy of the summer, Barbenheimer. Barbieheimer? Oh, is it Barbieheimer or Barbenheimer? <laughs> um, Part of the the combo has been revolving around how different the aesthetics are, Mm -hmm. but what is it actually about?
0: So this is in some ways a biographical drama or Mm. a historical drama, you might say. So it essentially follows the father of the atomic bomb, J. Robert Oppenheimer, Mm. played by Killian Murphy. And it, is in this classic Nolan non-linear style and it follows Oppenheimer from the pre-war days as a student to running the infamous Manhattan Project. The the storyline is largely linear but also non-linear and it's so so chronologically it's following being a student, lead up to Manhattan Project, being out in the desert blowing Mm -hmm. things up and then what happens next. But within that, there are moments that kind of go back and go forward, but it do, it's not super confusing. It, it's not like tenant. it's not.
1: This is Christopher Nolan's longest film. It's his most serious film. Mm-hmm. I've seen it written that this is his Schindler's List. Does this live up to that?
0: I'm a big fan of Christopher Nolan. Yeah. I, I, I do think he is a victim of the sort of director thing where when they get too much money, and they become sort of unbridled. It takes mm. away some of the creativity and the focus that you get from that earlier career. So things like Memento, even like The Prestige, mm. you get a lot more of that interesting storytelling and all that kind of thing. For me, Oppenheimer was a good film. Was it a great film? I, I don't think it was the world shattering event that some people are saying it is. Mm, It was very enjoyable, very technically impressive, incredible performance from Killian Murphy, visually, orally, all of these things, fantastic. But it was just, it was just too long and too much of bits that didn't really add to the narrative for me
1: the performances mm-hmm. it's got massive cast Huge. but killian murphy is the the kind of front and center of it is he good now? because it seems Ugh. like this yeah revolves around that it
0: does it it lives and dies on his performance and he is amazing and i think it's a lot to do not just the acting the acting itself is is very impressive but it's the physicality of oppenheimer mm. he's very Um, he's a very sort of small, almost bird-like, fragile man. He's dwarfed by the hat that he wears and almost the cigarette that he's constantly got, like, hanging out of his lips seems to dwarf him in a way. And it's this sort of small, fragile man juxtaposed with this monster that he's created and the way that Murphy carries himself and embodies Oppenheimer being a very physically slight and small man but having, you know... S- such a big ripple effect on sort of humanity is very interesting.
1: That's so interesting about his smallness because I've watched a bit of Peaky Blinders. I don't love it, mm-hmm. he's great in it, but he's yeah. a big figure in that. Yeah. He's charismatic and he's violent and he does his absolute best with some pretty limited material. <laughs> and it's interesting that he's doing something different. Yeah. I think. So do you think he'll win the Oscar?
0: I think he should, but will he? The Academy can be quite political, nerds, So who knows? But and it's
1: not been released in peak um, Academy time. They chose no. a blockbuster release rather than yeah. a, rather than a, a award season release. Yeah.
0: but I, I think he definitely deserves it. And anyone else, you know, carrying this film might not have had the same impact. But he does. A lot of it is, you know, close-ups on his mm. face, and, and there's a lot of stuff about, you know, he's got some very beautiful eyes and everyone's Mm. sort of getting lost in Killian Murphy's eyes. But just with his expressions, he's managing to convey so much. And considering he's playing this quite closed off, very intellectual man, it's, yeah, incredible to see the acting. Does anyone else stand out in it? So my big bugbear with this film is the female characters. And you've got Florence Pugh and Emily Blunt, who are both incredible actresses and they are given scraps. So Florence Pugh is either naked or um, she's mainly just naked. Emily Blunt plays opposite. Florence Pugh plays his sort of mistress. Emily Blunt plays his wife. Emily Blunt is just hysterical the whole way through. So Mm. these two... And not cracking jokes, hysterical. (laughs) No, the worst kind of female hysterical yeah, yeah. sort of screaming, screaming and being drunk and acting inappropriately. But in quite a cliched way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, 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 not depicted even, with nuance. It doesn't feel like she was given any nuance. She has one very good scene at the end where she's being interviewed by this board who are trying to take away Oppenheimer's security clearance. And she delivers a really amazing, um, stoic mm. performance there. But. Florence Pugh is just... I think she's got her clothes on for about, you know, one of the five minutes she's in it.
1: Interesting. Because whenever I've seen Florence Pugh in anything, my feeling towards her is why is she so... How can she be so much more charismatic than anyone else on screen? And I was... One of the reasons I was really excited about seeing Oppenheimer, not what I have yet, is that I was... Thinking this is her first big yeah. serious blockbuster. Yeah, yeah. She's done blockbuster. Well, little woman, I
0: suppose, but. Yeah. But I suppose that was her breakthrough role. This feels like a big serious. She's playing with the big boys, but in, I, I feel like, A, I was looking back at Christopher Nolan's films and I was, I don't want to, you know, call him out or anything, but he doesn't do females very well at no. all. I can't name if, apart from maybe Maggie Gyllenhaal and a couple of the Batman films.
1: So, Dark Knight's one of my favourite films. of mm. my favourite films but he can write particularly in that stage of his career, dialogue in a very mannered quite stilted way mm. and she most of the actors in that film deliver it they kind of deliver they don't really speak have conversations they kind of deliver lines yeah but they usually do it so well yeah. that it doesn't matter because it's based on comics it kind of makes sense Maggie Gyllenhaal just she doesn't quite work i think Katie Holmes is better than her <laughs> but they're both damsels in distress. They are
0: just damsels in distress. That's it, and that's what's frustrating about seeing these female arch- archetypes, characteristic. They're, they're all just damsel in distress, hysterical, naked female characters, exceptionally poor. Do better, Chris Finlayson. On the flip side, the the cast itself is fantastic, but you do have a lot of characters like a lot of people just popping up from Nolan, maybe just his mates, I don't know. But you've got Kenneth Branagh, you've got Romy Malik, you've got Casey Affleck, you've got Josh Hartnett back on our screens, which I love to see more than anything else. So happy he's back doing things. We've seen him in like Black Mirror recently. Um, Robert Downey Jr. and Matt Damon are both very good. It's, it is just a lot of pale male and stale, Ned, though, is is what mm. I'm seeing from this. But I was interested that Remy Malek did it because he he's in it for two, three minutes. And I think a lot of these actors, you know, if, if I mean, OK, if Chris Nolan asked me to be in one of his films, obviously I would say yes. And I think a lot of them are just doing it to be in a Chris Nolan film, but it's very strange seeing them a lot of them leading big films I and just doing he, bit parts. he's a big
1: director now. He is, yeah. he is the the Spielberg. Yeah. He's the one that you just want to work
0: with. Exactly, and that you can see that in, in who's in his films because it's everyone.
1: I, I suppose the big one, soundtrack. Soundtrack of Nolan, is it good?
0: So the s- soundtrack is, the music itself, in terms of the actual, I don't think I could tell you, the oral composition is incredible. There's been a lot of complaints about people saying they can't hear things Mm. because it's too loud, which fair play, I kind of agree with that. There are some amazing moments where not just using music, but things like people clapping and explosions and the sound of the desert where they are are all very evocative and really, he uses sound in very interesting ways. That's really good to see. And also, I mean, visually doing atomic bombs and explosions so in many ways, unparalleled say.
1: well i suppose one one
0: question is left mm. um how much would you pay for a ticket i think you definitely need to see this in the cinema it's yeah. it's a film designed for the cinema if you watch it at home on your tiny tv and then bitch about it that's your own fault because it's designed to be seen yeah. in high definition i know they're doing they Shot it on actual film as well, so they're doing film screenings. I think you can see it in the IMAX as well, yeah. IMAX, which would um, probably blow
1: s- your head off. <laughs> some, some, um, because of the way they shot it, the film they shot it on, some projectionists had to basically buy new, yeah, which machines, is quite cool, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's it is really
0: cool. Um, I we went to see it at our local view, and I mm. think tickets were maybe like seven or or eight pounds. That's a good deal. Which it was a pretty good deal. And I wouldn't pay necessarily more than that, but I would mm. definitely say go and see it in the cinema. So because like
1: £2.30 per hour?
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. It's, it's quite savage. <laughs> <laughs> but it's... I, I'm making it sound like I didn't enjoy it. I did enjoy it. I wish it was shorter. I think the beginning 45 minutes and the ending 45 minutes could both be significantly condensed. Yeah. But I think from a cinema lover and appreciator, and also just to have an opinion on it. You've got to go and see it because it's such a phenomenon. Is it everyone's cup of tea? No. Is it visually, aesthetically, narratively interesting? Yes. So next up we have my pretentious pick. And my wasn't pretentious, Ned, (laughs) what did you choose for us this week?
1: I chose the Ukrainian nation-building epic Shadows of Forgotten Ancestors.
0: And where should people want to view it afterwards? Where can they watch it? It's another one from Classically Online. Shout out.
1: And I picked it again because I'm making a podcast about Ukrainian culture and this is one of the formative pieces of mm-hmm. art. This aesthetically, politically, linguistically, it's one of the very few Soviet films entirely still available in Ukrainian, mm-hmm. where the director wanted it to be done in Ukrainian and, and in dialect. So I, I chose it because of that. Now, in terms of our tent of pretentiousness, it's not black and white, very colorful. It is only an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. It is not really social realistic. It's quite trippy.
0: So I looked up the actual genre and it's it's called a classic of Ukrainian magical realist cinema.
1: Yes, it is subtitled, of course, of course. and it is over 50 years old because yeah. it was made in 1965, which makes the fact it was coloured very interesting because most films mm. in the Soviet Union made in that time were black and white. The director, Sergei Parajanov was an Armenian who mm-hmm. spent a lot of time in Ukraine after slightly falling out with people in Moscow. So it's interesting that it's, it's a centerpiece of Ukrainian culture when it was a Soviet film made by an Armenian director. We'll talk about Parajanov later, but one of the things that he always said is that he was a visual artist who happened to make films. That sounds like a a temple of
0: pretentiousness. (laughs) Sounds like a huge (laughs) temple of pretentiousness. If we just outline what it's about, so from what I understand, (laughs) from what I saw, it is a Romeo and Juliet-esque tale, is how it's sort of pitched, of these young Ukrainian lovers who are trapped on opposite sides of a Carpathian? Carpathian. Carpathian. Carpathian mountains? On, <laughs> Carpathian family blood feud, and it follows the life and death of this central character, mm. Ivan, whose childhood sweetheart then dies yeah. um, in quite a sort of traumatic way by falling into the river. He becomes very uh, moody and a bit weird and introverted, but finally does get married to this very beautiful other woman but he's not really happy about that and sort of is forever haunted by this previous love.
1: It's based on a novel. It's based on a 19th century novel. Mm-hmm. There are Wuthering Heights elements to it. Yeah. If you imagine it as a 19th century novel... Yeah, it makes... Yeah, more That sense. makes a lot of... Because I didn't realise until after I'd seen it about that. I did enjoy it. Yeah. Did you?
0: I, I <laughs> did enjoy it. I found it a lot. Yeah. It's... An assault on the senses, I would say. The way that it's filmed, it's very intense. There's yeah. sort of it's almost uh, sort of struggling to articulate, but it's there's a there's a shot at the very beginning where the tree a tree falls on a man, but you're getting the perspective of the tree yeah. falling. And so it's very high octane, it's very vibrant, there are these incredible costumes yeah. and Characters and landscapes, but then you have slightly weird things like the sort of blood trickling down the screen yeah. over the screen and that's where it gets a bit it, a it, bit more magical I guess
1: it seemed incredibly modern how it was shot so modern the there the are a lot of shots which seem to be shot on a handheld camera yeah and I didn't realize they had a handheld camera yeah. Film cameras someone, of that quality back then.
0: Someone very strong carrying a very
1: big camera. And and it, it brings this document almost documentary quality. Yeah. All the costumes look completely genuine. Yeah. There's no again for a film in the 1960s. There are no strings. Yeah. You do Everything looks like it was done Real. properly.
0: I think that that's what I couldn't quite get my head around because it was like watching a documentary of something before documentaries were a thing because it's yeah. so real. It and but then you obviously have these slightly weird um, Dream sequences. Dreamy bits. It's got dream
1: sequences, that's another chapter of a love of dreams. Yeah, we
0: should add that in. But I, I found it it was a lot. Like it very much felt like a very it intense visceral experience. It lost me slightly a bits. Yeah. Where it got a bit weirder, but I found it also interesting when we're talking about costumes and cultures and customs, the wedding ceremony that they Mm. have, where they are literally yoked together and like blindfolded. Um, So seeing those customs and traditions brought to life in that way was very interesting.
1: And for Ukrainians, this is why it's such an important film. For Ukrainians, Ukrainian rural culture had traditionally been really uh, shat upon Mm -hmm. by the Austrians, the Poles, the... Russians, all the people who'd occupied it, had tended to paint Ukrainians and, and still do as these Hicks. So, changing the narrative around on the Hutsuls, who actually are actually a kind of quite unique, they're, they're, they're a separate um, ethnic group, yeah, or a semi separate ethnic group to Ukrainians. They speak a dialect, and this film is about them. Showing them in this colourful, exciting, romantic way
0: Mm. Mm -hmm. is a
1: really big deal for Ukrainians. Um, And a lot of Ukrainian culture, visual culture now, if you look at what Zelensky wears on Ukrainian days, he wears those collared shirts, very distinctive shirts called Vishivanka, that they wear. And so all of the costume and all of the artistic design of this has had a real a real impact and really brought out something which which existed in, in Ukrainian life, and I I found it fascinating. For that, I found Parajanov, this director. So he was exiled, he was put in jail, he was right. sent to gulags, he was despised by the central Russian government, partly because he tried to bring up into the light the the separate nations within the Soviet Union. Mm-hmm. And he did a later film called The Colour of Pomegranates uh, about Armenia. But that, if you think this is pretentious and weird, that is just extraordinary. I really recommend before you go to Armenia, you're watching it. Yeah. But it is, it is like watching a series of, it's like watching an art piece.
0: Look, how accessible would you say it is? It's more accessible than the one we watched. Volcano? No. Um, oh, the Tarkovsky
1: film, Nostalgia. Yeah.
0: It's more, it's more much accessible much. than Nostalgia. I
1: feel I like could watch this with my parents quite easily. Maybe yeah. because it's a bit older. Yeah. And a bit that, it's got that kind of romance.
0: Yes, and it, I think because it, it's because it's quite high energy and it feels like a more contemporary film because of the way that it's filmed, and uh, yeah, it just feels more filmy. It, it's, it's, it's an odd mix of having a very old-fashioned
1: story and plot but a very contemporary filming style.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: So, mixed bag in terms of recommend.
0: I think one more thing about the accessibility is interesting to talk about the other films at the time, so mm. the sort of Soviet realism, the films that were coming out of the Soviet Union at that yeah. time compared to this, because obviously they're all pretty similar, they're all pretty, well, it's all censorship, right? Like, it's yeah. all having to... Tick various boxes, whereas this is such a passionate historical lens on this.
1: On this particular group. Well, right. well, something interesting is that in Soviet, some films in the Soviet Union were only shown in their individual SSR, so that's the individual states. So oh, Ukraine really? would produce a film and it would only be shown there. Uh... So it'd be like Scotland having a film made and it being offensive to English people. So they didn't show it in England. So some films were just for international markets and for film festivals. So they didn't get domestic releases in the Soviet Union. They were made. And the censor the said out. no, but it's okay because this might win some awards. Wow. Yeah, it's so interesting.
0: That's fascinating. But was this one released?
1: This one, I think, wasn't released in Russia at first,
0: but mm-hmm. was eventually. Because it, so it, it did get a lot of awards and stuff, Yeah, exactly,
1: yeah. Um, um, so where in film school would you watch it?
0: It's. I would say it's, it's. it would be interesting to, probably quite early on, and it would be interesting to have, because it, like you say, it is quite accessible, but you'd need to have some understanding of soviet filmmaking yeah. and um that landscape to then juxtapose this with to understand it more but also you can see a lot of influences for other filmmakers i think martin scorsese they talk about for example yeah <laughs> and, and Scorsese, the, spike lee actually yeah a bit of um a bit of do the right thing this mm-hmm. kind of mix of
1: very almost documentary style but yeah. then also kind of quite classical
0: I do think it's an interesting film though not, not not just for film school but you know if you're studying Ukrainian culture
1: wow. and if you want to listen to a podcast on it that's going to be very interesting
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly that is everything for today if you like what you've heard don't forget to give us a like follow and subscribe and follow us on Instagram at haveyou.seenit